Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, join Katie and Miranda as they discuss memoirs. Listen as they discuss what they like most about memoirs and recommend a few of their favorites. If you already love memoirs or are just curious about the genre, stay tuned. You may hear about a new book that could interest you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stacks and Stories. Uh, My name is Katie, Katie Gill. I am the cataloging librarian and the digital documents coordinator, which is a fancy way of saying I get all the boring financial reports and put them up on our documents website. And I'm normally a podcast editor, but I am in front of the microphone this time. And joining me is Miranda Vaughn, a reference librarian. Hey, Miranda, tell me more about what you do, because I know you do more than what I just said. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. That was a lovely introduction. I am a reference and archives librarian, so I do a little bit of both, and I love my job. I love being here. Thank you so much. Miranda is the person who you talk to if you want to know anything about genealogy. She has that stuff, like, (laughs) down pat. I try. I try. So today, we are going to talk about memoirs, and... Just as a housekeeping note, uh, we this is our second time attempting to record the podcast. The first time, unfortunately, had some really noticeable audio errors. So we will try our best not to make any references to things we have already said. <laughs> but if that has happened, please forgive us. So memoirs. What do you like most in a memoir before we get to our recommendations? Well... I'll tell you a little background. Yes. I, well, first of all, I'm a self-proclaimed historian anyway. My undergrad degree was in history, so I love listening to other people's stories in general. So that's a good starting place. But what really got me interested in reading memoirs for like entertainment is I started reading memoirs written by celebrities who I like and specifically comedy actors or comedians because I find that a lot of them have really interesting stories, a lot of trauma there. <laughs> we discussed trauma breeds um, hilarity. And, um, but they would always tell their stories, or this has been my experience so far. They usually tell their stories in a very comedic way, a very fun way, even like the sad stuff they're able to kind of bring some comedy to it and it's just been really entertaining to read so those are my favorite types of memoirs I think with me my favorite types of memoirs are memoirs of people who have done things that like I know I will never be able to do so it's even if it's stuff like Olympians or like explorers or even if it's just something like this is a Chet, the award-winning lawyer who saved a man on death row. It's like, I'm never going to do that. I don't even know how lawyers work. Like, So reading a memoir uh, by someone who has done something that I know I will never do, that's what I like because it opens up a new world of things that I don't know about and want to know more about. Yeah, and you can like live vicariously through them. Yes, it's like, I'm never going to do the stupid thing that you did, but (laughs) I can see how you did it. (laughs) Right, I get that. So, do you want to start off first telling about a memoir, or shall I? I can start. Yeah, sure, Sure. do it. You're the boss. Go first. Okay. (laughs) So, the first one that I chose is Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. This one I actually listened to on audiobook, and I do recommend it um, because his voice is just amazing. He has a beautiful South African accent, 
And again, uh, he's a comedy person. I don't know if he would be considered a comedy actor, but you know, in that, that genre. And so he tells everything with a real sense of humor, even though he grew up in some poverty and, um, you know, there's some issues with his biological father and their relationship. And anyway, he talks about just his childhood growing up in South Africa. And he talks about, um, one thing that I thought was really interesting is he brings up the subject of language and how you have all of these different dialects, um, in, the area that he grew up in and like the different languages of the different tribes there and of course you have like hostility between the tribes and that sort of thing and so he learned to speak all of these different languages so he was able to like it when he found himself in dangerous situations with various tribes and stuff and being a mixed race person he could he learned how to speak these languages so that he could communicate with people and get himself out of trouble because he found out that even if you're like considered an enemy of the person if you can speak to them in their language and like basically get on their level they like gain a new respect for you and you can get yourself out of situations so that was one thing that he brought up that I I really liked and just telling different stories from his childhood he had a really interesting childhood some trauma (laughs) it's not a memoir there isn't a little bit of trauma um yeah but he just tells it in a really great way and I loved listening to him tell his own story so so correct me if I'm wrong did he grow up uh, in apartheid South Africa or was apartheid over by the time he was like actually growing up and kind of an actual like person with memories and stuff um when he was a child there was still the apartheid because I think it didn't end until like the 90s right like the early 90s something like that so yeah he was a small child so like the title born a crime it was literally illegal for his parents to have been together and created him so he was like for most of his childhood he spent a lot of time indoors and away from like large gatherings and stuff because it was really apparent when he was a small child that he was mixed race and if the right people saw him his mother could have gone to jail and all that kind of stuff so yeah those kinds of stories (laughs) are all up in here (laughs) well I I haven't actually read that one yet but I love Trevor Noah on the Daily Show and Mm -hmm. He's got a really nice voice, so... He does. And if you've seen any of his comedy specials, Mm -hmm. you know that he's really good at, like, imitating accents and things like that. And so throughout the book, when he's um, pretending to be his grandmother or his brother, whoever, he'll change his voice to be those people. And so it's, it's really nice listening to it because of that. I love when there's a good audiobook that has like a really good audiobook narrator. Like oh, sometimes yeah. the narrator can make or break it. So right. <laughs> that one's that one especially the audiobook version of that. That's definitely yes. now on my list. Definitely. So my first book that I want to talk about, um, 2020 was the year I got super into polar expeditions for whatever weird reason. So my first memoir, it's called The Worst Journey in the World. It's by a young, well, he's not young anymore. He's, I think he's dead now. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was published in 1922, okay? Once young. It was published in 1922. So he is probably dead now, though I do not know for certain. The author's name is Apsley Cherry Garrard, which is the most, look at me, I'm a British man <laughs> name that you could possibly think of. Yes. But uh, our boy Apsley, 
He was the assistant zoologist on an Antarctic expedition, uh, specifically uh, Sir Robert Scott's Terra Nova expedition, which was from 1910 to 1913. It did not end well for Robert Scott, <laughs> but it, it did moderately more well for Apsley because he survived and went back to England to publish this book. It's really, he does a really good job explaining what like life in Antarctica was like because it's him and these handful of other dudes who are down there ostensibly to find the, I think it was to be the first British to get to the geographic south pole because there's a difference between geographic and magnetic but i didn't write down which specific one it was um and then also to get there's some good penguin content in there because mm, i love penguin I love, content. I love some penguins because <laughs> the actual worst journey in the world absolutely himself wasn't on the specific mission to get down to the south pole itself which is good because that did not end up well for anybody <laughs> in that mission. Uh, he was part of the rescue mission afterwards. Oh, no. That also did not end up well for those people <laughs> who were going to be rescued. This is starting to sound very Dahmer, Donner party well, no, 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 one, no one ate each other. Okay. They all just like, <laughs> there was a freak blizzard. And uh, the people, including Scott, who were going to go down to the South Pole, um, all tragically died because of the freak blizzard. Ugh. And But Apsley, our boy Apsley, his worst journey in the world was him and two other explorers were going to get some penguin eggs because mm. they went to, the scientists wanted to study penguin embryos because something, something evolution, something, something, it's the <laughs> 1910s and we're in Britain and we still kind of vaguely know how all this stuff works. Right. But... The journey to get those penguin embryos was, like, completely awful, absolutely terrible. People almost froze to death. They lost a couple of animals along the way. So, trigger warning, there is some animal death in this book. So, be warned if you are an animal lover. But after getting back, absolutely was like, nope, that's the worst journey in the world. This one (laughs) sucks. Oh, my God. Antarctica. This... It takes a certain type of person to go down to Antarctica, and that person is not me. So I like this <laughs> memoir because, it again, going back, it's something that I know I will never do. And yeah. I will never be a intrepid British explorer, but I can read about this intrepid British explorer having fun times with penguins. Right. Like, I just the thought of going to Antarctica right now gives me anxiety. But in the 1910s, you said? Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. And the really, we, I'm going to have to stop very soon. Otherwise, this will be the Katie Talks About Polar Expeditions <laughs> podcast. But the really cool thing is that for the longest time, because like nobody goes down to Antarctica and also because it's so flipping freezing cold, you could still, I think even today, you can still see like the outlines and the foundations of like the prefab huts and houses they built down there to help like mm. keep themselves warm. And it's like over 100 years later. Wow. Yeah. That's neat. (laughs) That sounds like a neat adventure. Yeah. Adventure. uh, And it also is public domain in the U.S. So you can download that book from Project Gutenberg, Mm archive.org, or wherever public domain books can be downloaded from. And make your own fan fiction. Oh, you can totally. <laughs> you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get sued if you write absolutely like going on another expedition. <laughs> right. 
Worst journey in the world, too. Right. Even worse Exactly. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you, Katie. Um, my second one is called Educated by Tara Westover. This book is, uh, it's about, well, Tara tells her story about growing up with, um, I guess, I think she refers to them as survivalist parents. Um, I call them doomsday preppers. <laughs> Same kind of thing. You're not wrong there. Right. <laughs> um, they, her, her father in particular has a, uh, a lot of, I guess, paranoia. I'm pretty sure that he has an undiagnosed mental something, but he is very adamant about the um, government kind of being out to get them, and they're not allowed to go to public school. They're not allowed to go to the hospital if something happens. They kind of, they try to live off the radar as much as possible. Um, I forget what state she's from. I want to say it's like maybe Idaho or Utah, something in that area. Um, so a lot of like rural areas. And so her family can like live off the land and that kind of thing. She has a large family, lots of brothers and sisters. Um, and she kind of takes it upon herself to give herself an education since she's technically homeschooled by her mom, but her Air quote homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, her mom just kind of like teaches the kids what she thinks they should know. There's no like set curriculum or anything. We're not racking on homeschooling. We're racking on this Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she kind of like, you know, checks out library books and like teaches herself how to do complicated math. And um, she ends up against her parents' wishes going to university. She goes to Brigham Young University, I believe, and gets herself an education. And she basically ends up having to choose between her family and her education because the way that she was brought up, the way her, her parents believe is that education is essentially can be like demonic and there's a lot of like religious stuff in there too um so it ends up causing her to be estranged from about half of her family and she eventually goes on to get a phd in history from cambridge university she's only in contact with a few of her siblings um but it's just interesting to read like what all she went through to get educated and actually I found out recently that her mom after she came out with this book her mom wrote her own book her own memoir called educating Ooh. <laughs> um and Ooh, have not read that one yet petty gossip oh <laughs> I love it this is some gossip this is I, some petty oh girl. I actually went I recently uh, attended a virtual discussion with Tara Westover um through one of the universities here and she talked a little bit about that because someone is asking if she had read her mom's book yet and she was like well I've read pieces of it um because there was uh, there's some incidents that she talks about in her book of abuse from one of her siblings and you know she told her parents about it they didn't really believe her and so she said that she had read enough of it to try to see if there was some sort of like reconciliation there she wanted her mom to admit that she was wrong that this thing did happen you know she just wanted to be believed mm -hmm. and she didn't get that <laughs> so she said that she didn't feel any 
need to, you know, read any further or anything. So do not blame her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's, this can also be pretty triggering. There's a lot of pretty heavy stuff in here, but it is a very good book about like just defying the odds, I guess. And, and how important education is and empowered women and all that good stuff. So Yeah, I've read that one myself also. And it is so good, but also <laughs> so heavy in certain parts. Yes. Just in the sort of like, what our good buddy Tara, what poor Tara has had to just like push through and deal yeah. with, like partly with her upbringing, partly just trying to get herself in a better place. Yeah, having to totally change the way she thought about the world after being trained to be afraid of everything. And then, like she talks about in the book, she didn't know anything about the Holocaust until she got to college. And people in her class were like, you must be kidding me. But she's like, no, I've never been to school. My parents didn't teach me about this. Like, she couldn't believe that something like that had really happened. And so I can't imagine, like, being in your late teens, early 20s, and, like, the stuff that everybody else has sort of just known all their lives, you're just now finding out. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I think it speaks a lot about, like, just Tara's personality and her character that even Mm -hmm. after, like, all of those, because you know that it had to have, it wasn't just, girl, you don't know about the Holocaust. It had to have been, like, (laughs) girl, you don't know about, insert long list of other things here. (laughs) I'm sure, yeah. Even after all that, just her keeping going and her, like keeping strong that's so inspiring yeah it is so my next pick i have unintentionally picked all books that have a vague animals theme Uh, but i love animals i love animals animals. you can't you can't knock animals so my second book is all creatures great and small by james harriet this book is also on bard so bard is a service provided by the mississippi talking book services for people who are unable to read standard print uh give tbs a call or an email if you are interested in their services so all creatures great and small it was published in 1972 and james harriet he's a vet and but he's a vet in the yorkshire dales which is this part of england that's mostly farmland And so there are a couple of I'm going to do surgery on a dog sort of stories. But more often than not, it's like my horse broke his leg or my cow is giving birth. Mm -hmm. And he goes all in there shoving his hands in parts of animals that most people would not want to shove their hands into just to help keep these animals going and fix them up and get them back on their feet. And the thing that I really like about All Creatures Great and Small is that it's very, you can pick it up and put it down really easily. Each chapter is just a self-contained story. And so you'll have one chapter be like, and here's James Harriet taking care of a small little doggy. <laughs> and then the next chapter will be, oh, and we're going to learn a bit about James Harriet's personal life. Here he is hanging out with his like boss vet, which is not the technical <laughs> term for what the head his vet boss, is. Boss but vet. it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> I am not a vet. <laughs> But because of that, it's really easy just to, like, you can read it in little bits and pieces, and you can put it down for a while and then come back to it later. And, oh, look, there's James Harriet, my good buddy James, like, splinting a horse's leg because the horse broke his leg. And it's very, like, relaxing, even though sometimes terrible things are happening to these animals that are another trigger warning for animals (laughs) suffering. (laughs) I'm so sorry, animal lovers. The thing that I really like about All Creatures Great and Small, aside from the fact that you can just pick it up and put it down very easily, is that it's just, it's a nice, charming read. 
Mm-hmm. Terrible things are happening to these animals, obviously, because they need to go see a vet. So uh, once again, trigger warning for horrible things happening to animals. I swear to God, animals will be good <laughs> in my last pick. I promise you. But the it's a very nice, very calm, very relaxing sort of read. And I really like that. Nice. When did you say it was written? Uh, it was written in 1972. Um, okay. They also have made two different TV shows of it. The BBC has. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah. Um. One of them, one of the TV shows, uh, fun fact, the one in the, the 1978 TV show version of All Creatures Great and Small, the guy who plays uh, James Harriet's boss vet, <laughs> uh, he also played Cornelius Fudge in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, because nice. Britain has 12 actors. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I was going to say, I feel like it's like just six degrees of, instead of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's like six degrees of Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. It's it's either, you're either in Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, or like all three. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's so cool. Well, that sounds like fun. Are there sheep? There are sheep. There's lots of sheep. There's, there's baby sheep as well. Oh, Little lambs being adorable. Do you like a good sheep story? You can't too. go wrong with sheep, man. Sheep are great. <laughs> That's great. Oh, thanks, Katie. Okay, my last pick is also written by a celebrity. Um, it's called This Is Just My Face, Try Not to Stare by Gabrielle Sidibe. She uh, gained fame originally in uh, the movie Precious which I have not seen, but it was nominated for and won a bunch of awards. It's another tough one. <laughs> it's good, but it's like, oh, my God, I need to, like, go take a break after watching this movie. Yes, that's probably one reason why I haven't watched the movie yet. Um, but that's kind of how she gained her – that's how she got her start. She was basically discovered by Lee Daniels, who made that movie. And from there, like, she's been in several movies and TV shows and stuff. But this is her memoir talking about her life growing up in Harlem. Um, and she, again, is really funny, even though you wouldn't know it from Precious because it's a very serious movie. <laughs> but I follow her on social media, too, and she seems like she's just a very vibrant, funny, like, full-of-life type of person. And that comes through in her book as well. Um, she grew up in Harlem. Um, she has some – she <laughs> worked for a little while in her younger days as a um, – a uh, phone sex operator. <laughs> so she had some really funny stories about that. Um, but the way that I came to this book, I mean, I was a fan of hers, you know, but the, the reason why I really wanted to read this is because at the time, I think it was maybe three years ago that I read it, um, I had started this body positivity journey in my personal life. And so I'll, I was reading a bunch of books that were about body positivity, trying to find movies and books that had like positive fat representation in it and stuff. And she is a plus size actress. And that's something that she talks about a little bit in the book, but it was kind of refreshing to read that it's something that she doesn't, like it wasn't a central focus of it, you know, even though she kind of has gotten fame for being a plus size actress and there's been some controversy around some of the scenes that she's done in in certain tv shows because of her um body size but it was just nice that she talks about like how it never really affected her growing up you know she was raised um in you know a poor household and so her food options were limited and stuff but like she didn't have any real um 
hangups about her size, I guess. It's more of like other people projecting that onto her, you know? So it's nice to hear her talk about that and what it's like to be in Hollywood and be a plus size actress. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It was nice to hear her experience and have that, um, that positivity of just like, I know I'm beautiful no matter what size I am. And I don't care what everybody else says. Like she has a really good attitude about it. So it was good. And it was very helpful for me in my personal life as well. So I recommend it. Yeah. I've haven't seen as much stuff that Gabrielle said is in. I've seen precious. Have you seen American horror story? I have. She's so good at that. She is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she is. She's so great. And she has like the comedy comes through in that too. Like yeah. you, she's, she's really funny. And she's like the little bit of comic relief you get in American horror story. You get from her. <laughs> Before everything goes horribly wrong. Right. <laughs> I'll have to check that one out myself because, yeah. yeah, she's it's so good. funny. She's Yeah, she's very funny in the book. I don't know if there's an audiobook version, but if there was, I would definitely listen to that too because I feel like she has some good stories. If not, then get on that book companies. I know yeah. you listen to our <laughs> podcast. Get on that. Yes. <laughs> so my final pick is another one about animals, but good things happen to the animals in this one. Oh, this one is a manga, actually. And so the title is uh, Junji Ito's Cat Diary, Yan and Moo. And it's by a famous horror writer, Junji Ito. And he normally does all sorts of ooky spooky stuff, but he is also the world's biggest cat dad. And so <laughs> he wrote and drew and published a manga all about his cats. And so it's autobiographical. It's him talking about how when he married his wife, she brought in her cat and then they adopted another cat so that the cat could have cat friends. And it is hilarious because he draws everything in like his very over the top horror style, but it's about cats. And so you have all these exaggerated facial expressions and like looks of like, complete shock and dismay but it's like look at how cute this cat is i can't deal <laughs> and you could tell that like his cat dadness just shines through and he does such a good job talking about like how cats are cats and <laughs> it's part of it is just like look at all the cute stuff cats do but then also part of it is just like oh yeah i'm a cat owner for the first time here are all these things I've got to do now because cats, what? I have to put up stuff so they don't scratch the walls of my rental place? What? Cats? And it's so great and so charming and funny as heck. So I highly recommend it, especially if you like cats. That sounds so good. I love a good cat dad. That sounds like a good one. I would be interested in that one. It is very fun. So yeah, we have, we spent a good chunk of time talking about memoirs. Um, <laughs> It has been very nice talking with you, Miranda. It's been fun, Do you Katie. Have anything else you want to, I don't know, talk about or plug or any other memoirs that you think are great that you want to just briefly shout out before we close the book on this well i do love my comedian memoirs and so all of a lot of uh female comedians have come out with some good wins so if you're interested in those like amy poehler has one tina fey mindy kaling i think has two like check those out because even if you don't really like nonfiction and stuff a lot of times especially with those books i find that you it, it's so entertaining and they tell it in such an entertaining way that you don't really feel like you're reading nonfiction. So if you're not, if you think you're not a memoir person, check those out first before you make your final decision. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I would like to chime in for my brief. If you think you're not a memoir person, then there's a lot of good memoir graphic novels out there. True. Like uh, yes. Mouse by Art Spiegelman and March by, by John Lewis about his life. Mm-hmm. And They Call This Enemy by George Takei. There's a lot of good memoir graphic novels out there. So again, if you're one of those people who you're not sure about a memoir, but you also know that you aren't a big, aren't sure about comedians, then I'd recommend checking out a graphic memoir. Yeah, for the visual people exactly. especially. Yes. Well, it has been very lovely talking with you, Miranda. Yeah, I've had fun, Katie. Yeah, and I hope that everyone who's been listening to this has enjoyed listening to us talk about memoirs and all the fun things that we like about them. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.